All right. Hello. 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 Welcome back. Uh, we had a little bit of a week off last week. And then this week, you're probably expecting an interview, a full length episode. Uh, but we've bamboozled you. <laughs> We're not doing that this <laughs> bamboozled. week. We've, we've bamboozled you. We fooled you. <laughs> Only you could fit bamboozled into a conversation. I did. I'll, I'm sure I'll find a way to do it again during the course of this episode. Nice. But. We're actually doing a special episode this week that I am excited about, and we're going to be talking about the upcoming book. And you've heard teasers about it. We've talked a little bit about it. I've mentioned it here and there. But coming out, first part coming out this year is the original novel Facing Goliath by Ben Smith, trainer Ben Smith, uh, professor of sociology, who we all know and love. <laughs> So uh, you can get <laughs> professor <laughs> professor of sociology. Oh. So pretty pretty big credentials for a you know. <laughs> Everybody who reads a book will know the truth though. After this, oh my god! <laughs> Would you? So is this technically an autobiographical book? Well, I, as you know, it, I mean it's it's mem. It's kind of like a memoir, but I wrote it like it's fictional. I wrote it as though it's a fictional book, but um, yeah, I changed my name. I changed everybody's names in there for various reasons, mostly to uh, to protect people and also to give myself some distance because there's a lot of harsh stuff in there, right? So, um, so yeah, mostly it's it's the the story of what happened. But again, it's it's like anything, right? Like you know, there's some instances where I had to hide people's identities, so it's not so it's not a hundred percent true. No, it's not. But uh, so I can't really say it's a full memoir, um, but uh, it's <laughs> it's it's very personal. It's very true as far as what I really wanted people to get out of it and the way I wrote it. I kind of gave my, like I say, I called myself Daniel. I changed everybody's names and it gave me enough distance that I could give people really bring people into the experiences of that I went through from the age of 24 till I was 30. So it's a six year period where I really, really went through this process of trying to understand, well, trying to heal, trying to bring myself out of this place of absolute self-loathing where all I really wanted to do was to die, to being like super happy and excited about the future, right? So I wanted to bring people in the whole up and down journey that I went through. And so I wanted that more than anything to be really factual about how I felt about these experiences that I was going through. So it wasn't so important that all the little details were, were correct. So no, it's not a hundred percent true. I don't know if that answered the question or if I rambled. <laughs> um, no, I think that answered the question. Uh, before we get too carried away. And I think you did cover this a little bit but before before i get into any of my other questions can you just tell our listeners kind of the the short version of what facing goliath is is even about like if i was to describe it as a book yes so it basically opens with the character daniel really truly sitting in his car the opening paragraph opening paragraph he's sitting in his car wanting to die but he wants payback because he feels like life has been so unfair to him. And he feels like it's such a mess. He will never get his life back on track. But he wants payback because he feels like, like 
like so many betrayals, so many people betrayed him. People didn't protect him. People didn't stand up for him. People took things from him and he feels so betrayed. So, and then it's how, it's how this guy goes from being that to, to, you know, getting on solid ground where, okay, I don't want to kill myself, but how do I live? How do I live? My life is broken. Like he, like, so in the opening of the book, the character Daniel, we'll call it, we'll always talk about Daniel now. He's he's got no home. He's been he's got no place to live. His daughter is missing. He doesn't know where his daughter is. His mom is dying in a coma. His he's a drug addict. He's an alcoholic. He's got all these monsters within him. About like he just suffered a brutal year that that almost killed him. And and um and and so the book is really about him kind of, okay, like how do I heal, put back the pieces of my life together? Like, how do I, how do I go on with or without my daughter? How do I, how do I make sense of the pain that like, that I feel about my mom, my mom, the regrets I have, how do I, how do I just go on with my life? How do I put it back to pieces? And so the whole book really is about him, like, taking one step, taking two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back until he realizes as I, as I get rid of these um, or as I deal with these things in my mind that are always pushing me back as I find peace with them, then I won't have, I won't keep taking these steps back. So it's like, it's like I gain a little bit, but I haven't dealt with the monster. So I get knocked back. It's like, okay, you know what? Deal with the monster, deal with the monster. So the whole book is really about, is about this monster in Daniel's head that's always just like reminding him. It's like, yeah, but you're not a success. You're you're a failure. You're a loser. You're a, you know, he has a lot of racial issues, right? Because of the way he grew up. So it's like you're nothing. You're nothing. You're just a punching bag. You're nothing. So this break, this monster. That's what Goliath is. The Goliath is the monster inside his head that's constantly like, you know what? Don't forget who you are. You're a piece of garbage. You're a piece of garbage. You're not. You're nothing. You'll never make it. And so it, the whole book is about him dealing with this, like, yeah, but I, but I have self worth. I, I'm worthy of things, and I'm, I'm a good person. And, and as he slowly deals with the voice in his head, and, and finds peace with it, and proves to himself that he is a worthwhile human being, the opportunities keep opening up to him, and he gets a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further, and the rabbit in the hat. Or the the carrot that he really kind of is chasing throughout the whole book really is love. And I've always thought of this book as a love story, a very twisted, violent, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I've always thought of it as a love story because as Daniel slowly learns to love himself, he starts to realize I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of love too. And then the dream girl, his dream girl is is that the dist the thing off in the distance that he keeps chasing, you know, and and only as he starts to love himself, he starts to see, you know, oh yeah, you know, these kind of girls that represent my dream girl are coming into my life. They're not her, but they're representing her. And I'm a worthy human being. And I and I and I can actually and I can actually attract these people and I can actually have relationships with these people and then until he finally says you know what? i'm absolutely worthy of that girl and then she comes into his life and at the same time as this is happening he's always constantly getting better at dealing with the monster in his head until finally at the end he's like you know what i know who you are you're a monster i don't need you man you're, you're a liar 
So basically the whole book is about him finding peace with all the pain and the, and the things in his life that have made, created this monster in his head, which is Goliath, learning how to deal with it so that he can learn to experience love and accept the love that he really, really wants into his life. So in that way, I just, I just kind of want to ramble too much, but in that way, I would say it's a very universal story in that, it's a very universal story in that we're all at some point in our life feeling unworthy of, of something that we want. And we have to, before we can really experience it, whether it's a relationship or a job or a certain amount of, of uh, status or, or success in anything, we have to feel worthy within ourselves to, to have that. Um, so this whole book is really about learning to feel worthy of the love that you really want by learning to love yourself. Yeah, wow. And I think it's interesting it's interesting for me and it's interesting kind of pitching it to to the viewers now because I think everybody who's gotten to know you over the course of the podcast has gotten to know you now and when we talk about, you know, your past or things things that you've had to work through or whenever you kind of mention like, "Oh, well, I used to I used to feel this way." I think I think when when you're going through something and anybody says, well, I used to I used to feel this way or I know how you're going through it or I understand. I think a lot of times we don't really believe them. And so it's for me, it's exciting to be able to provide context and and to have this book to show not only that it's that it's true and that 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 transformation and that change really did happen, but also that it's possible like mm -hmm. that you can be this low and Daniel's pretty low at the, at the start of this book, you can be this low and still, and still come back. Mm -hmm. Well, and another thing that I, I really like to, I hope people get out of the book and this has been a theme in my life, but it's very, very much highlighted throughout this book is that Daniel keeps reinventing himself. He continually reinvents himself by the story that he tells himself. Because as his story tell, as his story that he tells himself changes, then opportunities come to to allow him to see. Oh yeah, that is true. But then he'll he'll run up against the obstacle in his mind, the monster in his mind, and then he'll get knocked back again. So then he's got to recreate himself again, but in a different image. Like he he recreates himself from a an, a, like a total drug dealer, drug addict, to being a super loving person like who's boxing and excited about boxing to losing love and becoming an alcoholic and feeling like a an absolute loser to being you know to again feeling like on top of the world and having money and having this and then all of a sudden getting knocked down again and and the, the culmination of it is is all these monsters that he's like what the love the the past the uh the, the monster, all these things come together to a head that, that where at the final, the end of the book, he's, he's, he's gone through all these little things of learning with women and, and his addictions, whether it's drugs or alcohol or whatever, he's got all these addictions. He's got the major one is violence. He's got a major addiction to violence because he grew up like with so much violence and he's, he keeps trying to shed it, shed it, shed it. But who am I if not tough? I have nothing else. Everybody thinks I'm an idiot. I'm a piece of garbage nigger, but at least I'm tough. But it's an addiction that he struggles so hard to break because without that, who am I? That's what he keeps saying. Who am I? Um, 
And so, but he keeps recreating himself until at the end, he recreates himself as somebody that I don't need the violence. I'm not that guy. I don't need to be that guy. So a lot of, a lot of my joy with this book is being able to express um, the truth about the recreation process that I went that through. That was like constantly once I could get, once I could get my head around an idea of like, you know, you know, this is, this is who I am and really believe it. Boom. My whole life could change and I could totally reinvent myself. And it's absolutely true. So, so my next question for you, and I have a, I have a ballpark idea, but I think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, how long did this book actually take to write and how long ago did you write it? Well, I wrote the book in, um, I think it was 2011. Okay. So I, I wrote the book 11 years ago or so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny, the story about, about writing it is, I don't know if you know this, actually, but it, I wrote it very, very fast. Hmm. Like, it's over 200,000 words. Yeah. It's a very big book. Yeah, it's a very big book, but I wrote it very, very fast because it came after I just finally had a had a moment where I had a, a bit of a breakdown. I was 40, and uh, I just kind of released all that stuff, and I just, I just found just real sense of self-acceptance within myself and peace and joy, and, and the story that I've been kind of wanting to be told. I've been wanting to tell this story for, for over 20 years, right? Um, you know, and all of a sudden it just came out of me. It just, it literally, I was working at, we had the personal training at the, at the time. So I would go to the gym, I'd walk along the beach. I'd be like, do, do, do. I would just enjoy my, my morning walking to the beach, go to the studio and what in between clients, I would just write. And it just came right out of me. So it came out of me probably in about uh, eight weeks or so. You know, 200,000 words book, you know, doing between clients is, it's pretty crazy. But again, yeah. it was so inspired. It was just like, it was like something inside of me just needed to tell this story. And so hmm. there you go. Do you, so I have kind of a compound question. Um, the first part is, did you, when you finished it, feel a sense of kind of relief at getting it all kind of written down? And regardless of the answer to that, um, do you sense closure of some kind now actually like finishing it is edited it's like it, it's coming out like it hands off it's it's out in the world right are you feeling now a sense of relief and did you feel then a sense of relief or closure or something i felt a sense of relief all the way as soon as i wrote it um, first of all, let me be honest, and I don't want to sound arrogant or anything about it, but I freaking love what I wrote. I don't believe I could have written the story that I wanted to tell any better than I did because it was so, so from my heart. Like I said, I was, it came from just like, I released everything, boom. And that's, I don't think I could have told a better story. So I love, I've loved this story since I wrote it because I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's, it's painful. It, it, it's painful at times to read because it's like, oh my God, that's who I was. But it also, I, I've just absolutely loved it because it's like, God, look what I wrote. I really expressed this experience that is is so, I think, foreign to a lot of people. Yet at the same time, it's, it's every person's story. Like, I mean, I really, really expressed the experience of being a bouncer in a really, really rough bar. 
I experienced the bouncer. Uh, the, I really expressed the experience of working um, as the head doorman by myself in a strip bar, you know, a popular strip bar. I experienced, I expressed the experience of uh, being a drug dealer and a drug addict and having a very big drug deal well, a relatively big drug deal kind of starting to unwind. <laughs> like, so I really put, put brought people in this world and doing that made me feel it, it's just, I don't know. I really have loved the story since I wrote it. So, so whether, whether anybody ever read it or not, I would always love this story because I feel like it was just, it was just a part of me and it came mm -hmm. through it. It came from somewhere else. Cause it came out of me so fast. It came out of me so beautifully, like the way mm -hmm. it came out. Nice. That's a really good segue into my next question, which is, uh, if you have a favorite part, what is your favorite part of the book, Facing Goliath? Well, my favorite part to read or relive or the my favorite writing part of it? Like, what's the, I don't, you have to identify, All three. identify the question. <laughs> All three. Well, I think my favorite part to read of the whole book is, there's a part in the in the middle where, where he's starting to get his feet and he's starting to kind of like, really like, God, I feel like on top of the world. And uh, so that's a pretty fun part to read. Cause I mean, I just think back to my life living in, living in downtown Vancouver, you know, like not a care in the world, really um, working in nightclubs and bars, walking down the street, living on the beach. It was just a really great, like being flown to England, the box and flown to LA and, and and treated like a you know like a like a something right and it was uh it was it's pretty fun to read and and i all these girls that were just really yeah you know, it felt like i just had all these girls around me and it was just it was a it's a definitely a fun time to remember and reread would you say that's also your favorite part that you lived through was just that like kind of being on the up and up part well, it's interesting because it, it is, it was definitely a fun, fun time to live and a fun time to look back on, but I might have to rechange my story, my, my answer to the first question, because the beginning part also, I like now that it's so far away, it's like, wow, that, that time, because again, I'm describing the experience in a really, really crazy bar where it was like the wild west, where like anything went and it was like, it was like, you know, the staff, the the manager of the hotel, they're doing cocaine and there's, it's like the hotel rooms are like brothels and it's like fights in the back alleys. It's like the police sitting against the fence watching the brawls in the parking lot. It was like, it was like full on like the wild west. And it was like, so in some ways I love that part too, because it's like in Vancouver, we'll never like in greater Vancouver, we'll never have a, a, a time like that. Well, there'll never be another bar. There'll never be another time like that. And I lived through it and I described it. It was crazy, man. And I think that that is like, that is the stuff that so many shows and movies and like, you know, cool, seedy, like scary, like this is what fiction is made of. These are the real experiences. These are the real things that all of those like cool like crazy yeah. druggy shows. This yeah. is this is what they're based on. Like this is the real <laughs> story that a real yeah. human being went through. It's not it's not breaking bad. It's real. Like it happened. And well, I remember me yeah. and uh me and my 
the other bouncers that worked at this place would call it because there's a movie called Roadhouse. And in Roadhouse, it's about bouncers and they call this kind of seedy bar the double douche. So we would always say, oh, let's go work the double douche. Or, or yeah, the what did I just say it was? The, yeah, the, that's what you said. Yeah, the double douche. But it was way, way more, way more rugged, way more raunchy uh-huh. than the double douche. But but to live through it and to be there and to see it and to witness it, it was just, it was, it'll never happen again. So it's mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty fun to be able to describe it to people that would be like, no way. It's like, yep. Yeah. Way worse than I even described it. Cause I, I, I edited it down somewhat. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can only. Really like. Yeah, you can only get away with so much in a book or on TV, <laughs> but in real life, like, yeah, yeah, like, you you can only get away with so much on TV. There's stuff I'm sure there's stuff <laughs> that happened that like narcos would never be able to show you, right? Yeah, it's... and and in a in a book, you know, I mean, you can only tell every so many incidences, right? You can't, you know, you you have to pick and choose what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I guess the last part of that question was. And I'm not sure if this has already been answered, but your favorite part to write was it was it one of those parts that you have already mentioned, or is there a different part that you really liked to write? My favorite part was all the women was writing mm. about all the women because again, this is this is a really a, a love story in my opinion. It's a love story. Number one, with this character Daniel learning to love himself so that he can have the love that he really wants. But as he goes, there's there's several women that come through his life and he he keeps learning more about love and as i wrote those 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 scenes or those those sections of the book and as i even read them back again i remember i mean there are some painful things too i mean one of the girls had me arrested one like so there are some it wasn't always pretty but um i don't know i just i they all taught me love so i'm i'm yeah, they're kind of my favorite parts. All those, all the, not all the women. There's probably about, I think there's nine or 10 women, significant women that come through my life through the story. And uh, they all, so those are kind of my favorite. Yeah, interesting. On, on that note, is there a part of the book that now, 11 years later, you're, you know, you're you're a very different man now than you were when you wrote it in 2011 i would say um are there any parts now that kind of going through the book again as we're getting ready to as we're getting ready to publish and editing and all that stuff are there any parts of it that you just don't really like to read or you don't really that are kind of difficult to read or recall or look back on uh, not so much because I'm so far removed from it. Right. And I'm so at peace with it and I appreciate it so much. I mean, at the time when I did it, when I wrote it, it was kind of like, I just went into a zone. Like I said, it felt like it was inspired. So it came out of me and I was in a good space cause I just released a whole lot, but I hadn't really, I wasn't as evolved as I am now. Whereas now, um, I freaking love every part of my life. Right. But for different reasons, like, like the beginning when I'm when it's just absolute self-loathing and just really struggling every moment to not kill myself or that for Daniel not to kill himself. I look back and I think, you know, it gave me so much depth and appreciation for life. So, so even, even that, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just all of it. I really, 
I really love that. There is one, there is one part though. I wish I, I wish I had kind of known more when I wrote it, but I didn't. And I never changed it because again, it, uh, it, it, uh, I'm not saying it's a hundred percent factual. Right. So I was going to change it as I learned more, but then, then I realized, well, I'll just leave it the way it is. And I'm going to tell this is a bit of a spoiler, but, uh, our, our friend, who who is deceased now? He, uh, um, a guy that I who I who are, who mentored me and I who I grew up like really looking up to. He was quite a bit older than I was, but he he and some guys, uh, um, they stole a, a, a Brinks armored truck, you know, which is a big deal, right? And then he got arrested. They all got arrested, and then he got the next thing I knew, he was he was free. We thought he'd be spending his life in jail, like you like armed robbery of a Brinks truck. And, uh, and so, so me and a, a friend, we went and saw him where we had drinks with him and he was like, he had money. He was all happy. He was excited. And next thing you know, he was dead. And what I had heard was that he got thrown out of a building. He got thrown out. He did fall off a building, but, uh, or he did, he did, he went like three stories off a building or something like that. I'm not sure how many it was. But I had always, always thought that he uh, he was killed because, like, how do you get off? How do you get off when you're free? So I had I had just always thought that he had uh, he had said something about the wrong person. He was a hardcore guy, but he's still just one guy. So I thought he had been thrown out. So I wrote it like he was thrown out of the building. When in actuality, um, I learned only a couple of years ago that that the police. The police, um, you know how sometimes I forget what you call it. I don't watch police shows, but the police actually, um, you know, if they get evidence and they don't in the wrong way, it gets it's it, oh, it's a, it's inadmissible. From court. Yeah. So he got off because it was wow. the, the the police. So I didn't know that. I just I just all I knew was he was free. We're just like we always heard. Oh, he's going to spend his life in jail. He robbed an armor's truck, and then we saw him. We're having drinks. He's all happy. Then he was dead, and I was like. So, so the story that I had heard originally was like, yeah, he got thrown out of a building. I'm like, no shit. So I just figured he kind of ratted the wrong person out and that's why he was free. But no, it wasn't that. He didn't rat anybody out. He got, he actually, it's just that it was inadmissible evidence. So he was set free. Wow. Interesting. So, but, I, but again, I never changed that part of the story because I was like, well, then I got to go back and tell this. And it's just like, you know what? Well, you know, and here anybody anybody can hear it now. It's like what really actually happened is he did fall out of he got. I guess he would. I guess what I heard was that he was drinking and he fell off uh, of three three floors three floors off a building and and died. Oh, right. Shit. Well, yeah, and I think like the other thing about that is in in the book at that time of your life, that's what you thought. Like you yeah, thought that I, he was killed, right? So yeah. Have, having that information now is great but at the time you were like oh my god someone killed this guy yeah and it seemed yeah. reasonable because again as i described in the book you know a lot of my friends were killed i mean a lot of people i grew up with were killed so yeah wow wow well it seems a little bit uh i'm gonna i'm gonna do a, a 180 and ask one more question <laughs> and then we'll and then we'll close it out following that harrowing uh admission <laughs> sorry if i went off the deep end on that it's okay <laughs> it's it's insider insider scoop well it's um, the truth yeah yeah for sure uh my last question is just so the book is coming out 
there's a lot to be gained, I think, from reading it, even if it is kind of a hard read. For for me, it's a hard read, but it's, I mean, I know who it's about. So, <laughs> but um, so much of it is about you too. Right? Yeah. The struggle to reconnect with you. Yeah. But now that the book is coming out, who do you hope reads Facing Goliath? I hope anybody who's struggling with identity, with violence issues, with feeling like they're suicidal, feeling um, unworthy of whatever it is they're trying to trying to accomplish, or 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 a kid like I was that really wasn't given much of a chance because they're failing so much, right? Like somebody, when I say a kid, I mean somebody who grew up believing that about themselves, like. I'm a failure. I'm never going to make it. I'm piece, you know, the best I can hope for is to be a janitor. And, and that's a, on the highly unlikely chance I'm not dead or in jail, which is what I kind of thought for a long time in my life. I hope that that person reads it and realizes, as I said earlier, you can, you can be whoever you want to be. You can recreate yourself. And I really hope too that people read this story. They, they, they understand that while it's not 100% true, it is very, very much a very clear depiction of what of the of the journey of my life and realize and then go back and hopefully see the joy in this great life I live and the, the, the lives I impact. And the, I mean, you know, anybody who listens to my podcast, anybody who works with me, anybody who knows anything about me knows that I'm always, always happy. I'm always I live this great, great life, and I have for a long, long time, over 10 years. And uh, so I really hope that anybody reading this says, you know what, I can do that too. It doesn't matter how broken I feel. It doesn't matter how much, how little hope people gave me. I can do that too. He did it. I can do it too. And if I fail, just like he did, I can come back. And if I screw up and it you know, I can I can pick up the pieces and be better and keep get, and keep being better until I never fall back again. I hope that those people read the book too and get get from it what you hope they get from it. It's a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty amazing book. It's a pretty powerful book. I can't, um, I can't. I have to admit that I have not read the full thing yet for for reasons that we just spoke about. I'm hoping <laughs> to get there, but it's it's piece by piece. We'll, we'll get there. Well, here I have a question for you then. Like knowing knowing the harshness of it, you know, and and the the graphic descriptions of a lot of things like the violence and self-loathing, the sex, all that kind of stuff. Would, would you ever really want to read the whole thing? Like is there any reason that you would want to or need to? Um I I don't know the answer to that. If it mm. was written by somebody else, would I read it? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So there, there's definitely a part of me that hopes that you never really read it. But there's also a part of me that's just kind of like, you know what? It is what it is. Same thing with Shar. Mm. There's a part of me that just like, I never want her to read this book. Yeah. But then there's a part of it that's like, well, that that is who I was, right? But mm-hmm. so I'm kind of torn myself. But <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, it'll be an interesting journey, but enough about me because you, the readers, can read this book yourself uh, very, very soon. Part one is coming up for pre-order on November 15th. It's a very large book, but it's been broken into three books, right? So number one, yeah, The Day I Tried to Live, Monsters in the Closet, and Killing Goliath. So part one, 
which is the day I tried to live, is coming out for pre-order November 15th. So you can sign up on our website to be among the first to know when it's available for pre-order on Amazon Kindle. Or you can snag the book and a coaching session with Trainer Ben on our website. So definitely go to thegoliathfoundation.com and sign up. Leave us your email, a little little love letter if you like, and you'll be notified as soon as it's available to be pre-ordered. There you have it. So exciting. Thank you for sitting down to chat with me about this today. I appreciate it. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you all more about it. You will hear lots and lots about it over the coming weeks. But until then, thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us. As always, we love hearing from you. So if you have comments, questions about the episode, topics you want us to cover or anything else, you can find us on Instagram as Loving Goliath, on Facebook as The Goliath Foundation. You can email us at lovinggoliath at gmail.com or you can find out more information about the Goliath Foundation at thegoliathfoundation.com. Hey, did you know that 36% of our listeners tune in through Apple Podcasts? If that's you and you liked what you heard today, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you again, and we'll catch you next time. Bye!